Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Romans today. We're in Romans chapter 12. We're supposed to put it in, in verse 12, but I'm going to read in verse 9 a little bit above it and finish out the chapter. I'm not going to put a lot of commentary. This is such a great reading. Uh, it's the marks of a true Christian, and I just want to let it sink in with you. So jumping in, chapter 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. That's the first thing. That's how it starts off. A mark of a true Christian, genuine love, godly love, not human love, genuine love. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So love and goodness. Love one another, so don't hold it in. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor In other words, humility. Do not be slothful in zeal. In other words, be zealous. Be zeal. Zeal in your faith, right? Be fervent in spirit, okay? Live by the Spirit constantly. Have a zeal in your faith. Be fervent in your spirit. Serve the Lord. That's how you serve the Lord. Not lazy, but with zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. That's how you serve. Not begrudgingly or or reluctantly, but with zeal and fervent in spirit. That's how you serve. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Wow. That's how you live. Rejoice in your hope. In other words, be joyful in the hope that you have. You don't... Hope for what you have. You hope for what you don't have yet. And that hope is in Christ to come. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. If we're not constant in prayer, we're not going to get anywhere. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. In other words, what you have, share. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Be genuine. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. 
Isn't that go? Doesn't that go counter predict per, per, uh, productive as to what people want to do? They want to be wise in everybody's sights, but don't be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, when people say something bad about you, treat you bad. Don't don't repay evil comments or evil deeds. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Behold, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, don't take matters out of God's hands. Leave it in his hands and live by faith in him. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, or for by, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Starts off by doing good, holding on to what is good. Not only holding on to good, but doing good. Even if it means overcoming evil with good, that's how much good you're supposed to do. We're going to stop here. I can't add to this. This is too awesome. So, from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And let's keep the marks of a true Christian in our hearts and minds today. As always... Keep your heart centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield, and we'll see you next time here tomorrow. We'll turn the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali, if she's able to record otherwise. As always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse 25, all the way through to Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through to verse 6. So we come to the last division of this chapter. And we have here the choice of Gentiles in the scripture prophecies of God. So Paul has made it clear that the nation Israel was chosen by the sovereign will of God and not because you know, of their marriage, who they were, what they did, and, you know, and all those things that we may humanly look at in a humanly way. But they were chosen because of God's sovereign will. All things happen in our lives that we don't understand and, you know, that we actually question. Just like, say, for instance, you know, people would ask, why did God choose David? I mean, David wasn't perfect. We are not perfect, but God uses his sovereign will to actually do certain things for us. Okay, so verse 25, and I'll read down through to verse 26, and it reads, and he says, also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. Verse 26, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they shall be called the sons of the living God.
So this prophecy from Hosea refers to the nation Israel and Peter in his um, epistle refers the prophecy to the, the believing remnant in his day. That's the nation. So you are, so Peter actually um, writes, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this prophecy from Hosea 1 verse 10 refers to Gentiles. So any place on earth now with Gentiles who turn to Christ now or in future as part of, uh, is put in, um, sorry, is put in, um, by James in um, Acts 15 verse 17 which reads so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things okay so what we have here is, you know, the prophecy that was actually stated in Hosea, in Hosea 1 verse 10, um, the people, not only the Jews, but even the Gentiles who turn to Christ will become God's people. So when God chose, like I said, um, the Israelites, he did not choose them on any merit basis. He just chose them because um, he chose them out of his own sovereign will because God is God. Um, and this is his universe and he can do as he pleases. And if anybody's not happy about it, then I mean, pick your own universe because he's in charge. Verse 28 goes on to read for, sorry, verse 27. Isaiah who cries out concerning Israel though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea the remnant will be saved verse 28 for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth so only the remnant of Israel will actually be saved in the great tribulation period and that's like 144,000 but it also does mention that um, the company of Gentiles will also be saved so during the great tribulation period like I said only 144,000 just a small number will be sealed and it's always been like so it's God that shows mercy so like in Romans 8 it said I will show mercy upon I upon whom I will show mercy on. I will show compassion upon whom I will show compassion. So it's God's sovereign, God's sovereign will and um, his righteousness and mercy that he actually picks any one of us um, to actually be used. And he always does leave the remnant behind. Not that there's anything special about 
a particular race, a particular group of person or a particular individual. God picks people based on his sovereign will and not based on any merit. Because if he had to pick you and me on merit, we wouldn't make it at all. Because God, because our righteousness is filthy rags to God. We can never make it to heaven. This is why we needed a substitute, a redeemer. That's Christ. Okay, verse 29 goes on to read. And as, I, and as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. Okay, so this is actually a fitting climax of the sovereignty of God as even an elect nation would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's elect nation was Israel. It would have ended up like Sodom and Gomorrah in depravity and rebellion to God. So if, you know, they would have just been in depravity, yeah, and um, rebellion if God had not intervened in sovereign mercy and recovered a remnant. So only God's mercy keeps any of us from going to hell. You know, people shouldn't even try and boast of the fact that, oh, hey, I am good and I am better than everyone else. No, no one is good and no one is, you know, no one is too good for heaven. This is why we had to have a redeemer, someone who had to die a substitutionary death for us because we're headed straight to hell. Verse 30, cousin to read. What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? So Gentiles who did not will or run, nor willing or working, he found righteousness in Christ because God worked and willed it. So the Old Testament scriptures had prophesied it. You know, you have to work for an election. So um so we have to pursue um righteousness and um verse thirty let me just read that again. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, because when they started out, they were not they left they were not um they didn't know they didn't have scripture, and um, you know they have attained righteousness, and righteousness of faith. Verse thirty one. Let me just read verse thirty one down to thirty two verse. Yeah, they have attained righteousness because they have believed righteousness by faith. Verse thirty one goes on to read, um, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness so the jews tried to actually produce their own righteousness but you can't produce righteousness by law and they tried to produce righteousness through the mosaic system but failed look at the nation today they have failed so religious people in the world today they are the most difficult people to reach today with the gospel so if one wants to be saved uh it's actually the onus is on you it's one's responsibility. If one wants to be saved, one ought to actually 
run for the office to be elected, like I said earlier. Uh, so there is no righteousness with God. He does all according to the law, which is righteous. Because if we have a lot of people who are just busy being religious and they feel they are saved, so why do you go to church and be religious and not be saved? Verse 32, let me just write the truths. And actually, verse 33, it says, Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but it as it were by the works of the law, for they stumble, stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So we have to have righteousness by faith and not righteousness by law, just following the rituals and um, you know, all the religious um, busybodies. And, um, and that's not going to save us at all. We ought to... Um, Look to Christ and believe in Christ. So we now get to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, we see God's present purpose with Israel. So we have the present state of Israel. And that's loss, just as the Gentiles are. And the reason is Christ is the end of the law of righteousness. So we turn from the sovereignty of God now to the responsibility of man. Verse 1 of chapter 10 reads, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So they are responsible to God. You and I are responsible um, to God. And if you look at Luke uh, 19 verse 40, um, verse 43 to 44, it reads, days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surrounded by you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you on the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So, um, this is the condition of the nation Israel today. So they are surrounded in all forts. They are surrounded by other nations who actually want to push them into the water, push them out. And reason is they are in that the reason why they are in that state is because they didn't recognize their time of visitation by the Lord. You know, when we were pointing out who an Israelite is, one of them was, you know, they were the only nation that had the sovereign presence of God. And they did not recognize that. So the Israelites had religion but didn't have righteousness. And today we have a lot of church members who are religious and lost as they don't know, they don't have the righteousness of God. So no one is superior at the foot of the cross. It's all left playing ground. So there's nothing like, no, because I am, you know, I know scripture more, or 
um, I feel I'm more superior to the others because I'm, I've got more experience in church things. We, it's, level, it's a level playing field at the cross, at the foot of the cross. Verse 2 goes on to read, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So today most people just have, you know, religion. They are busy bodies, but they are not saved. So they don't have Christ and have not accepted the righteousness that he offers. So we can't be saved on any other basis aside from Christ. He was delivered for our offenses and raised for our justification. So he took our place. So we ought to ask ourselves, do we have Christ or do we just have religion? We ought to hold on to him and accept his righteousness that he offers. Verse 3 goes on to read, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted the righteousness of God. So this um, so this is true of Israel and is true today of any average church member. Um, you know, today people lack the, um, discernment. Even discernment to actually be saved. They have no proper discernment at all. Proper judgment. Um, verse 4 goes on to read, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness and everyone who believes. So Christ is the goal. Christ came to give us a new garment. He didn't say I've come to actually patch up the garment that you're wearing. He came to give us a new garment and the robe of his righteousness. So the law was given to bring man to Christ and not to save man at all. It was brought to actually ensure that man looks at himself and looks, you know, you're not perfect. The law can't save you. It was bringing out uh, the imperfections of man. If you look at Galatians 3 verse 24, it reads, Therefore the law was our tutor. To bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the law sh showed us that we needed to be saved. And in Christ, the law came to an end. And if you look at Galatians 5 verse 4, it reads, You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. So the law just it, it it wasn't given to actually bring people to it was sorry, it was given to bring pe to bring men to Christ and not to actually save them. The law can save you or me. So we're to be justified by faith and not justified by the law. Okay, so from Romans 5 to 12, we have the present standing of Israel. And Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. And uh, verse 5 reads, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So we can never measure up to God's righteousness, to God's standards. We can't. This is why we have a Savior.
the Redeemer. Verse 6 goes on to read, But the righteousness of faith speaks by this way, <clears throat> sorry, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So the righteousness Paul speaks of is available to us today. We don't have to go anywhere at all. We don't have to. Uh, we just have to be right where we are to accept the righteousness of God. You know, we don't have to get up. People, you know, worship in so many different places, crazy places and all. And when we're accepting the righteousness of Christ, you know, I don't have to get up and do something for it. I can just accept Christ there and then. He, We have been given the Holy Spirit, which is everywhere. And so, um, like, hey, I do my podcast every morning in my Bible study. You know, when I get to the car park, when I get to the, to work and I'm sitting in the car park, and that's my space. So you can accept the righteousness of God anywhere. It doesn't have to be a specific place. So, yeah, this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening, and God bless you all, and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye. Thank you.